Amen. You can have a seat. You know, it doesn't take much living to recognize that things can change pretty rapidly in our world. It happens in our culture and the way that we're entertained. It happens in politics, trends in education. Lots of things happen really quickly. In fact, I heard some guys talking about how much farming has changed in the last 30 years this morning before first service. I had no idea what they were talking about, but I trust that they're right on that, right? But the world does change, and we've talked in this series about how it feels like at times our world gets turned upside down. And certainly there are times when Jesus' teaching challenges us, and assumptions that we bring to the Christian life, to living itself, get turned upside down because we listen to Jesus. And that's exactly the way that it should work. Jesus' teaching should challenge us to change so that we become more like Him, more like the expectation that He places on our lives. And so we've talked about lots of different ways that Jesus' teaching challenges us over the past few weeks, and today... I want us to bring this series to a close. Next week, we'll begin a new series that's called Complete, and we'll be studying through uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. I'm excited about that series. We've been working on it for months, so next Sunday that starts. But today, we bring this series upside down to a close, and we're going to think about how Jesus challenges our thinking about how other people see what we do and how we give in church. You know, Not long ago, I heard about a lady who gave a really generous gift to her church. Wasn't here, wasn't even in this state. You don't know her, okay? Somebody else. And uh, her church had really sort of been in decline, to be honest. And they had revitalized a little bit, but the building was in disrepair. I mean, it just, it looked rough. And she gave a generous gift to fix something that was very public, very visible, and it made a big difference in the way the church building looked. But she was a little upset because it was never really noted in public that she had given this gift to make this improvement. Now, when I say that, I think maybe for a lot of us, our first reaction is, well, too bad for her, right? I mean, it's like we want to say you shouldn't expect that anyway, and and that is true, but... I think a lot of us do really like when we give something or when we serve in a way that is really sacrificial, it feels pretty good when someone notices. And it makes us feel pretty good if it's actually mentioned in some meaningful way. Now, we may know it's not really supposed to be that way, but down deep we sort of feel that at work in our hearts. We appreciate being noticed. But what did Jesus say about that? Not just about money, but about what we do. There's a couple teachings that we find in Mark chapter 12. We've been several weeks in Mark 10, last week in Mark 11, this week in Mark chapter 12. Two short incidents in which Jesus teaches us on how we think about our service and our giving. The first one is really about our service. And we find it in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. This is what happens. As he taught, Jesus said this, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Now literally what Jesus says there is, watch out for the scribes. 
Okay? Now, a lot of our English translations say, watch out for the teachers of the law, but it really says scribes. So what's that work there? Well, the scribes were the guys, and we're talking about Jewish men in the New Testament time who, I mean, they're copying the Bible so that people in other synagogues, like if they have an Isaiah scroll, they're going to copy everything in that Isaiah scroll so that they can ship it to another synagogue and they'll have a copy too. It's very costly, okay, very time consuming. But if you spend your life copying parts of the Bible, guess what? You get to know it pretty well. Okay. They also copied commentary on the Bible. So they would read and then copy what their scholars had been saying about what we call the Old Testament. All right? So because they're so knowledgeable, it's pretty natural for people in the synagogues to come to them with questions. What does the law say about how we worship on the Sabbath? What does the law say about how we treat other people, how we spend our money? All those things, because these scribes had studied it so intently, everyone came to them with questions and they became known as teachers. So, watch out for the teachers of the law. Well, why? It seems like those would be the good guys, right? They know what the Bible says, so they're following it. Jesus says, well, not exactly. Because they walk around in these long, white, flowing robes, almost like the robes that the priests wore in the temple. Why did they wear that? Because they wanted to be noticed, okay? They wanted everyone to see them. So watch out for them because of the way they dress. And they expect that people will show them deference, that they will respect them when they're in the marketplace. Or if they go to the synagogue, they want to be in that chair on stage so that everyone sees them. It's the place of honor. Remember, maybe you do when, when churches used to have like the thrones, right? You'd have one on either side of the communion table or you'd have one on stage for the minister to sit in or whoever is leading worship in some way. We don't really see that that much, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about, a, a place of honor. And they, they wanted that place of honor. If they went to some kind of meal, a banquet, they expected that they were going to be seated at the head table near the guest of honor. And in fact, we have inscriptions from the ancient world in which people like this are complaining because they got seated somewhere else, like beneath what they thought was their place. They didn't like that. They thought, hey, we're teachers of the law, so we deserve respect. Now, the thing about being a scribe was that it didn't make a lot of money. In fact, they weren't paid that much for actually writing, so they had to make money elsewhere, and some of them weren't entirely honest, and Jesus points a finger at those who were taking advantage of those who were the most at risk, people like widows. He says, you guys are the kind that if a widow just has property, you'll find a way to swindle it out of her. And that was pretty bad because since widows couldn't work, they were dependent on whatever their land could bring them. And Jesus says, you're taking even that. That's how dishonest you are. And then finally he says, man, these guys pray long prayers. Well, people pray long prayers now, right? Well, I don't think Jesus is actually condemning them for praying the long prayer. He says, for show, you pray a long prayer. You know, the length of the prayer really is not always related to the spirituality of the person who prays. The prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, 
can be just as powerful as a prayer that goes on for 10 minutes. The condemnation from Jesus here is they're trying to show how spiritual they are by how many words they use in prayer. That's what Jesus says. And he says, for all these reasons, for their expectations of honor, for their pride, for their arrogance, for the way that they take advantage of people, for their showy spirituality that's not real, these men will be punished most severely. It's pretty tough words from Jesus here because they're so fake and because of what they expect in return for what they do. Now that's the first teaching. And it's all related to how we expect to be honored for what we do. Jesus then turns to how we give. Jesus is in the temple courts. And this was a place that lots of people gathered. Sort of makes me feel good because what Jesus is doing in the temple court, he's people watching. Okay, So if you like to do that, it's sanctioned right here in Scripture. Jesus did it. Okay, If you like to go to the mall and see what's going on, then Jesus did it too. He was watching people actually giving their offering. And the way it worked was that in the temple courts, there were these medical um, metal receptacles that were sort of horn-shaped, and they were all around the temple, and some of them were designated for certain offerings, and everybody knew this. And people would bring their offering, and they would sort of dump it into this receptacle. Now you can imagine, if it's a metal receptacle, and it is coins, that it makes a pretty big noise if you dump all your coins into this receptacle at one time. And people would notice. And that's sort of what Jesus is taking notice of. That these people are making a show of their big offering that they're putting in the temple courts. But then this happens. Same chapter, verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now, what kind of coins were they? They were literally, I mean, this, this, the word that's used here is the smallest coin that was in circulation at the time. A lot of times in Scripture, in the New Testament especially, we hear of the denarius, which was a day's wage. Okay, It was very common. If you went and worked for someone, at the end of the day, you received a denarius. It was what was expected. The coins that she's using are worth one one hundred and twenty-eighth of a denarius. All right? So a very small fraction of even a day's wage. She's put in two of them, so our math teachers, I think, would tell us that it's one sixty-fourth of a denarius, a day's wage. It's probably more than a few cents, as our translations sometimes say, maybe a buck. Okay, if, if you go in church and what you're putting in the offering plate is a dollar, you probably don't make a real big show of that, right? I mean, you don't hold it up and wave it and then drop it in, right? And she didn't either. I mean, she quietly goes in, drops those two very small coins, which would not have made much noise compared to the bags that other people were throwing in these horns that were used as offering plates. In fact, I mean, when, when they were all collected and taken to the treasury, these two coins would hardly have been noticed. Yeah, they would have gone in the offering, but 
Whoever's counting that day would not have thought much about it. No one would have noticed this woman's offering that was given, whether it was there when it was taken or when it was counted later on. But Jesus noticed. Calling his disciples to him, so Jesus brings everybody together. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus says she didn't give a lot, but she gave everything. For this woman's offering, it's not about the amount of the offering, it's the sacrifice that she made. And really, that's what matters, isn't it? When we're not asking people in church at any time to give equal amounts, but man, if we all sacrifice in an equal way, the needs will be taken care of. And Jesus is saying here, it's not about being noticed, right? This woman, my guess is, might have even been ashamed of the small amount that she gave that day. She might have been thinking, you know what, it's, it's almost not even worth me taking these two coins out of my pocket and walking over, and maybe I can slip them in so that no one even notices what I'm doing, because this is so insignificant. And Jesus says, it's greater than anything else that was given that day. Now, if we take these two stories, these two teachings of Jesus, one about people who have this great arrogance and pride and expect honor for what they've done, and sort of on the opposite extreme, this woman who comes and maybe hopes no one even notices what she gives, I think there's a lesson about the way we conduct our lives in general, that whatever we are giving, whether it's money or our time or our talent, how do we do that? I mean, what does God want us to do? What is the right attitude? And here's what I think it is. I think this is what Jesus is saying. Make a difference even if no one notices. Okay? Make a difference even if no one notices. If you can do something, whether it's giving an offering, or whether it's doing something in church, serving in the church, whether it's in kids' ministry or worship ministry, student ministry, whether it's in the booth or it's serving in some other way, leading and you know, working in our prayer team, there's so many ways you could serve in church. Whatever it is, and if you're going to make a difference, do it, even if no one notices because that's not really the issue is it because God notices Jesus noticed what this woman did because he knew her heart he knew her situation because he was God he understood the sacrifice that she was making and God understands your gift even if no one in the church even notices now my guess is that virtually all the people who serve and give here at Taylorville Christian Church, and really across churches worldwide, don't really do it to be noticed. My guess is, if you're serving in our church, again, whether you're helping out in kids' ministry, there may not be that many people who even know you're doing it. 
I mean, the people who serve back in the booth, you hardly know they're there, right? There's lots of ways that people serve in our church that you don't even know about. And these people are serving not because they expect to be noticed. Lots of people give not because they expect to be noticed. But it does feel good when we are. And maybe sometimes if we're honest, we might even sort of feel like, man, does, does anybody care that I'm doing this? Has anybody noticed that I'm really giving my time to make a difference here? I'm really giving sacrificially to the church because I believe in it. And the truth is, I think that's why most people give and serve in the church, because they believe something important is happening here. You serve because you believe, man, people know Jesus because this church is here. People are being trained to trust God more because this church is here. People are growing up to be people who, who love Jesus because of the ministry of this church. It's happening here, and because of our missions program, it's happening around the world. And that's why you serve, and that's why you give. Sometimes we think, well, it would be nice if someone said something. If it were appreciated. And you know, then you hear Jesus say this, over in Matthew chapter 6. But when you give to the needy, and this is the kind of giving that Jesus is talking about here, but it could be any giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is exaggerating, right? Because there's no way to do this. You can't not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But he's saying, be so behind the scenes if necessary that you know you're not drawing attention to yourself. You're just serving because you know it's the right thing to do. Now, sometimes this is sort of hard to do in church because the good thing about church is church is filled with good people. And when good people see someone serve or they hear about a gift, a lot of times they do respond. And you know, the truth is, like the only people who know what you give are our financial secretaries who actually count the offering. Like I have no idea what people in the church give. And that's the way it should be. But occasionally someone will hand me a check and say, you know what, um, just take this, it's made out to the church, just you take it and do whatever needs to be done. Like you, if you find something that needs to be done, take this, get it done. And that's awesome. And it's so, almost hard not to recognize that. Like, right, I mean, it make a difference. Something can be done. But here's what I know. Those gifts can really change something important. But you know how the church makes it week to week? is because of the large and small sacrificial gifts that people make every week, every month, year to year, decade to decade. And they may not be large checks that are a big flash in the pan, but they're faithful giving because people believe in the mission of the church and want to be obedient to God. And that's how the church continues to fulfill its mission in this community and around the world.
And the same is true for service, right? I mean, there are sometimes people come in and do something really big, and it's hard not to stand up and recognize that, but then there are people who week after week, month after month, year after year, and sometimes decade after decade do things behind the scenes that no one knows about. And that's how the church fulfills its ministry. That's how the church keeps going. That's how the church makes an impact in the community. Because there are people who say, I'm going to make a difference even if no one notices. Now here's the thing. Jesus is speaking to the person who's doing the giving. Jesus is speaking to the person who's serving. But he's not speaking to other people and saying, you should never thank someone for what they're doing, right? That's not the issue. We should be encouraging one another. When we, when we see someone do something important, speak to them, encourage them. That's not what Jesus is saying. He never discourages us encouraging each other in our service and in our giving. What he's doing is saying to us, even if no one knows about it, we'll ever hear about it. Even if you think, man, I wish I could do more, but this is what I can do. Do it. Because even if no one notices, God notices. God knows your sacrifice. And even if you don't get public accolades for it, God knows you're at work. And God knows you're being obedient. And God knows you're giving your life and your heart and your spirit and your resources to fulfill the mission that he's placed before this church and before you. So we all have to look inside and say, what's my motivation? And I'll be honest, it's pretty easy for a person who stands up in front of a bunch of people every week and does part of what he does to do it to please people. But Jesus speaks to me and anybody else who stands on the stage in the same way and says, even if people don't notice, you keep making a difference. Because that's what God has called you to do. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the resources you've given us, whether it's our, our money, whether it's what we can do, or time we can devote. And we are so thankful that you've given us something to give. And we know that all that we have comes from you. So God, we come before you today and ask that you would open our hearts to be ready to be faithful and obedient to you, to give what we have, and at times to give very sacrificially because we believe in what you're doing in this community and through this church. God, lead us to be servants. Lead us to be people who serve you because we love you most of all. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.